0: I'm Will, and I'm Luke, and this is Will and Luke Luke Discuss, discuss a vodcast and podcast where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being.
1: This This episode, we're we're discussing
0: Chatter by Ethan Cross. format (laughs) of today is that Will has read this book, Chatter by Ethan Cross. I have not, and I'm going to ask Will about it. Hopefully, share any insights I have on whatever the subject matter is. And I hope we both come out learning a bit more than we have right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Sounds yeah. good. So, sounds good. So, yeah, this our book, um, yeah, Chatter, the Voice in Our Head and How to Harness It. So, Ethan Cross, he is a psychologist and leading expert in the controlling of the conscious mind. And he works at Emotional and Self Control Lab. And this, um, Book and his er- expertise falls into the area of cognitive psychology. Nice one.
0: So, what is chatter? What does he mean by chatter?
1: So, I think when he's talking about chatter, I think he's referring more to the the <laughs> negative side of having an inner voice. So, he does make uh, okay. quite a clear delineation between there being a um, an inner voice that can be encouraging that kind of helps keep our mind updated and tracks how we're going along and can be quite encouraging. Then chatter is when it falls into more um, ruminations, worry, anxiety, kind of that spiralling off thinking that can kind of expand and take over our whole mental energy due to its negative nature.
0: So we've got our own speaking to ourselves in our mind and then that can be kind of helpful or unhelpful and when it goes down the line of being unhelpful that's what he means by chatter like the unhelpful yeah. talk in our head
1: yeah yeah and I, th- I think he he refers to it particularly because there's a whole heap of you know negative side effects and I, he does start off saying you know why we talk to ourselves is one of the first chapters and then he gets okay. into the um how talking to ourselves backfires and when he's talking about the more negative effects that's what he's referring to as chatter yeah
0: and is it did you get the impression it was just about inner chat or because when i for example you mentioned ruminating sometimes i'll think like in images cinematically i might be rehashing a situation that happened and i won't necessarily be narrating it but i'll be sort of viewing it Or if I'm like mentally rehearsing something in the future, I'll be like picturing it happening. Do you think that comes into this or is it just about how we speak to ourselves?
1: Yeah, I think it's not so much around, um, well, not entirely around there being this kind of voice in the back of your head or sort of getting, having a running commentary specifically, it can kind of fall into, um, yeah, like images or any kind of negative pattern of thinking that kind of distracts you and takes up mental energy yeah Yeah, so he says things are you know compulsive rehashing of events um things like that can be can be sabotaging i i suppose that would come in a variety of forms and how we respond to that varies as well yeah
0: yeah so he sort of chatters a nice way of honing in on it but it might not necessarily be literally talk but often it is like the way we talk to ourselves in our minds
1: yeah, I think it's his his way of, of framing it. Yeah.
0: So you said he first talks about why we have this inner monologue. Maybe we could start by some of his ideas about why we have it.
1: Yeah, I, I thought this was actually really really interesting. So I, I do love the way the the book kind of flows and goes through all these di- these different ideas. Yeah. But what he says the, the reasons we talk to ourselves. So he's saying that we we have this inner monologue that we can reflect forwards. Um, in time so we can think about what could happen in the future, obviously, and then we can reflect back on things that have happened. And it's really common for us as humans to be able to mentally time travel kind of back and forth. And that that can have a healthy nature to it in regards of, you know, I don't know, things like learning from mistakes or processing, I don't know, regrets, things like that, or making plans for the future. But what I'm saying is our inner voice evaluates our progress towards goals, Mm -hmm. So he says we analyze our identities through internal verbal streams. We write and rewrite the story of our lives to stay coherent. So he's saying that these voices are constantly kind of evaluating whether we're moving towards our desired outcomes or moving away from them. And that's Mm -hmm. where, you know, kind of more positive, you know, talk would be things like, ah, you know you're moving towards your goals and all the kind of the positive affirmations that come with that, like, oh, well done, you know, um, ment- positive mental images and, like, good feelings associated with that. But then the negative side of it is like, ah, oh, you idiot, you're not moving towards where you need to go. You're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of at its worst sort of being, like, quite critical of your progress and why things aren't going the way you want them to go. And I think I really like the bit mm-hmm. around, you know, kind of we, we analyze our identities through these internal verbal streams and the... Okay. And we we do it as a way of sort of balancing the temperature, and the the ideal temperature is where like our inner talk and who we are and our identities are coherent. We have a coherent sense of self, and we're constantly kind of like trying to manage yeah. that balance, like by, a like, more thing. or less. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so the a few things there. That. Well, mm-hmm. oh, I'll jump into what just popped into my head because you said, "Oh, there is like." positive way of like encouragement or feeling good when our uh like what actually happens aligns with our plans and goals and sense of identity Mm -hmm. and then we can be self-critical perhaps when it doesn't but then there are also times where things don't go to plan and we are technically critical or at least evaluative so I'm thinking like yeah I go for a forehand tennis shot and I just whip it down into the net <laughs> and I'm a bit, um, a bit annoyed but like in my head I almost instantly picture the action I just did mm. and how mm. it ought to be how I need to self-correct and mm. generally even if I'm a little frustrated that's sort of a helpful process so but I'm just assuming there's like yeah, there'll be a point at which I could be so self-denigrating that it's just not helpful because it's just shit yeah, helpful. yeah. I feel like uh, you just give me like
1: the the example <laughs> of hit, hitting a um a tennis shot into the net, and then my yeah. reply is going to sound like really deep in reply to that. <laughs> 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 but like, I, I'm only kind of because he's so standing out to me, just saying it. So he's saying. The words of our mind Mm -hmm. sculpt the past and thus set up a narrative for us to follow in the future. So I guess applying that to what you're saying is Mm -hmm. that you're, you're providing a commentary on like, ah, I did this thing, um, maybe incorrectly. And here's Mm -hmm. how I could do it better in the future. Mm -hmm. Like that sounds, Mm -hmm. that's like a really healthy example of that Mm -hmm. rather than just like. Swearing at yourself, like I was playing golf today. Well, the but yeah, can be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be, yeah. Um, you know, I was going to say, like, I was playing golf today, and I was doing like really well. I was feeling like quite competitive, and I was in the zone, and I like shanked a shot, and just my <laughs> negative self-talk was just horrendous. I was like angry at myself, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but then like an- another one, like I, I did like a good shot, but not yeah. like a great shot. Could have been better, and. Yeah. I was like being quite encouraging to myself. I'm like, okay, no focus. Like remember your technique that your friend taught you. Like I I guess just back to that thing. It's like we, our mind flicks back and forth on like memories and even current events to like shape a narrative that we carry into the future. Like, you know that for the rest of that tennis game you're in, Mm -hmm. if you hang on to that one thing that you did you're going to be like not in the right headspace so you you need to find a way to kind of correct and um soothe in that situation yeah that Uh, uh,
0: self-correction has to be a split second because then the next serve's coming in right and i need to be focused back in the game
1: Mm, and i hadn't thought about it kind of as being such an instantaneous um uh thing maybe until your example and then reflect on my afternoon of golf
0: yeah as well, well i suppose it depends yeah. <laughs> on what you're up to yeah. right but yeah if you're in the middle, middle of a sports game <laughs> you don't have time to introspect for very long mm. you might do that after the match but yeah uh, there might be other occasions in life where you, you have plenty of time
1: <laughs> well there, there's there's kind of um and this might lead on something he says later on in the book is that you know, i'm thinking there's external circumstances outside of yourself like the game as a mm-hmm. whole or the fact I was playing with four other people so it's my next mm-hmm. turn to go and mm-hmm. in tennis you've got as soon as you've hit a bad shot over you've got to reply to the one coming your way so yeah. like engaging in things that um, you know compared to sort of having a I don't know a difficult conversation and then sitting in a room by yourself for a week yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With, yeah. With, with no chance to reply like would be yeah. a very different sort of scenario yeah. yeah, yeah
0: so let me just see if I've grasped uh because there are a few mm. whys as to why we have this so we can reflect on the past so there's time travel as a general concept mental time travel yeah. part of that's going back to the past now i assume that's like i can replay events that have happened and then usually for me I, I might then fantasize maybe what i could have done differently and how that might have played out and it's kind of like i suppose on the the good side it's like a learning process right you can evaluate what did happen and fantasize what might have happened if I'd done this or Mm. this Um, Mm. and presumably the negative side of that is the ruminating and just getting lost in it Mm. then you got the future which is about planning so I can picture what might happen in the future oh well if I do this this could happen if I do this this could happen mentally rehearsing things that are coming up and then the thread of that is something like your. Identity, your life narrative, and like making these things fit your image of who you are. Um, mm, mm. That seems to be what I grasped you saying. That's the point of this inner chatter, or at least yeah. introspection, your inner voice.
1: Yeah, that's a great, great summary to kind of hear back, helps me sort of yeah clarify it for me and i think the the bit that i think this leads on to really interestingly is in the chapter after that where he talks about um when talking to ourselves backfires and he's okay. basically what well, so he's this, talking that's like about the point
0: of the book right that because if chat is a negative bit and that's the title presumably he's focusing on when it goes Badly.
1: When it goes, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. So he's saying, he, talk, he talks about the executive function um, okay. of, of the human brain. So he's saying that this is the CEO of the human brain and it allows us to make you know deliberate and logical choices and manages life and kind of steers us through our desires and steps in to override our in, instinctual processes and reactions. So he's saying we've got this function in our brain that provides that role. And what he's okay, so- saying is that...
0: Yeah, I was just well, just hearing that I'm thinking you said overrides instinctual. So I have a desire for example to um stay in bed, but I know I've got an appointment soon and I sh- if I'm going to get up, shower, eat, do my routine in time, like my executive function might come in and sort mm. of kick me out of bed. Is that the sort of thing? That- yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: it can, it it blocks distractions and like filters information, so it might kind of filter through the voices being like, oh, I should probably lie. And it kind of filters through uh, that. It's like, no, 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 I know, I know better. So he's saying yeah. that's how we function in the world. Like constantly there's this like tension release and our, uh-huh. our executive function is the CEO and can decide that. But what he's saying, this is really key to the book. And I guess for you to understand as the the listener is that like we have a limited ability to use this so like okay. we don't have unlimited resources this is not a function that is just sort of like mm. has endless amounts of energy and he's saying that when we're stuck in that inner voice with like anxious thoughts negative yeah. assessments um kind of overly focusing on like you know wants and ruminations this steals energy from the executive function yeah yeah and basically leads us to not being able to pay attention properly yeah so, so like that's what well, that's a this, really key part of that yeah
0: What it comes to my mind hearing that is sometimes i'll be reading and i i can just get lost for maybe hours and it's mm. effortless and presumably that's when my life's just outside of reading that book is just feeling yeah. fine and then there's mm. sometimes i'm reading where it's like where every other line or paragraph i'm i'm so i didn't take any of that in i was fantasizing about something else i have to go yeah. back start again and i can spend hours and i just don't get past that first page and it's very frustrating mm. and exhausting and it's like i'm my i keep catching my mind dragged away and presumably mm. my executive mm. function has keeps reeling it back in but it comes at a yeah. cost <laughs>
1: and i think that that cost is um so key cuz it, it obviously affects our ability to do things like you know deep work Focus for like sustained periods of time, yeah. respond from our most authentic selves. Like you can just imagine in general, like just as if there's a way of summarizing, it's basically like we run out of energy to focus on what matters and we become distracted. Yeah. And I think that if you kind of play that back to like what chatter sounds like, it's like, Oh, that kind of makes sense. Like if we're stuck in our heads about like negative assessments of the world or. Mm you know, judgments or things that we kind of get caught in, you know, this sort of rabbit hole, this I don't know you want to call it, downward spiral, like mm-hmm. whatever like negative loops um that we can get in or a person can get in.
0: Mm. Um
1: it's not it's not surprising that we're not able to sort of focus and we're yeah. we're more stressed yeah, yeah. and we it influences like how we engage with other people and influences how we engage with ourselves yeah. and yeah. impacts things like the level of um compassion we can show ourselves and i think that's probably a key part okay. that you would that you would um kind of know through some of your your practice um
0: well just to, just to um, yeah, yeah take it to a milder level even if i'm so i think what, what i'm hearing you say is we want to be able to focus and concentrate because that helps us stay present or in flow for the things that we've chosen to do that matter to us yeah, But chatter and our inner voice can get in the way of it. It can distract us and that yeah. can be frustrating. And yes, mm-hmm. obviously that can really happen when we're, say, anxious about something or we're ruminating on a, I don't know, a disagreement or conflict. But even just like, <laughs> it can even just be annoying, even if we're just daydreaming, right? It doesn't even have to mm-hmm. be negative emotion involved. But if I'm just trying to focus on something and I just don't really have that skill of mindful attention mm. i can just get lost in thinking about pretty mundane things and that still can be quite distracting <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. i think it's um i guess you know discernment's probably quite an important thing in this in these situations mm-hmm. kind of being able to kind of assess whether these this chatter or this inner voice is kind of helpful or unhelpful is it wise or unwise is it mm-hmm. sort of serving serving you in that particular (laughs) situation or not you know (laughs) yeah
0: right yeah Yeah. like if it's i'm reading and i'm like huh i think i smell smoke (laughs) i'm not gonna be like no that's just chatter go back to your yeah 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 so
1: i think that's kind of like um like the 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 key intro really that i was i was hoping to kind of get across that's just Um, the intro
0: i thought we were well into (laughs) it
1: wow well that's the that's the kind of what is chatter and why is it bad (laughs) essentially yeah
0: What I've heard so far is that it's fundamentally bad in the way it distracts us from where we want our attention, attention, focus, concentration, and where we would like that to be in any given moment. And also you mentioned there about um, uh, how it might inhibit or or self-compassion or sort of uh, have us suffer more, I'm assuming, than we might need to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, and the next kind of the next part of the book is really talk about some strategies and kind of like why they're helpful around, you know, how to okay. not allow chatter to consume you. And Great. to he refers to this as like to lower its temperature, essentially, like just Great. to kind of bring, to bring it down and not take over so much of that executive function and mm. not become such a negative influence in our life.
0: Yeah. Great. Let's dive in. What are some of the favorite ways we can help ourselves in?
1: Well, I think the key—the key (laughs) key one—he talks about at the end of the book. There's a whole list of like tools. Okay, so I'll go through them at the end. The ones we don't cover, just in case we miss any. But one of the key ones he talks about um, is zooming out. So you're saying, like, we—if we think of our mind as a lens and our inner voice is a button that can like zoom in or zoom out. So chatter is when we zoom in on something um, that has like inflamed emotions attached to it, Uh
0: um,
1: to the exclusion of alternative ways of thinking we lose perspective. So he's saying when we're stuck in chatter, we're too narrowed in on what's going on, um, in our voice, but then obviously zooming out, um, it sort of allows us to see things a lot more clearly gain perspective, um, increase the likelihood of like, you know, positive problem solving, and allows us to take on different views of the situation and acquire different information as to how to solve the problem or use a wiser mind to um, address what we're facing essentially. So they're the two contrasting parts of that.
0: So uh, we can be so honed in on a problem or situation that we've lost perspective and there are ways in which we can zoom out to help us problem solve, see a different perspective. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm grasping. I'm trying to think of an example we could apply to this, maybe. I suppose like I don't have a specific, but like if you've had an argument, it's very easy to start like be ruminating about everything you they said (laughs) that I that I thought was unfair or like hurt me or something. And I can be very sucked in on like, I don't know, maybe one sentence of a of a 15 minute discussion so hmm. that might be an area where this would apply where maybe i would do well to broaden out my focus <laughs> and think about the wider context of that argument or something
1: yeah yeah it's, it's almost like um see, you know talking about seeing it from like a, a bird's eye view and then obviously if you're seeing it from higher up that the you have perspective on the issue. And I guess perspective would mean that you are smaller in the grander context of what's going on. Yeah. And your individual, um, I guess frustrations or r- ruminations or irritability in that situation is therefore given space and you can see it clearer. Um, yeah, yeah he's yeah. saying, he, sa- he says that distance doesn't solve our problems, but it increases the likelihood that we can. So it unclouds um, the verbal stream we have. And I think particular to chatter is if, if there's a lot of like a story in your mind about something or, um, you're stuck on a certain part of a conversation, it is kind of like a way to unhook and see it clearer. Um, yeah. as opposed so, to fueling it more, like giving it more fuel by focusing now, na- like the more narrow you focus on it is like you're giving oxygen to the fire. Mm. Yeah.
0: well uh, uh, i'm thinking about peep show and how you can have like the point of view camera (laughs) where you're like in say mark's head (laughs) and you're seeing everything from his perspective or like you can have a a camera angle where you can see both characters at once and then as the observer you're getting a more sort of balanced view of what's happening or you can be in the other point of view camera (laughs) and then like you have kind of got three perspectives on the whole situation rather than just the one
1: (laughs) gotcha um i'm I hear what you're saying, but I'm also really happy we just slipped in a peep show <laughs>
0: into the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, yes, so he's well, saying that.
0: How do we yeah, do I'll that? Go, yeah. I, I get the concept, but uh, how does he s- suggest we kind of help take these different perspectives?
1: <laughs> well, he's saying um, there's a couple of tools he's got here. So he says one of those is temporal distancing. So this is mental time travel into the future. So he gets you to ask, how will you feel? Ten years from now, mm. about or this this stoic. problem you're going through. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah. So saying, you know, um, our experiences is, is temporary, so we can have hope that things will change. <laughs> it's just the world, is- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, yeah. he says that that leads to less blame and more forgiveness. Um, yeah, situations. If you can kind of jump to that point, and as if you were looking back on where you are now. um and he's also saying writing and narrating experiences from a narrator's perspective give us Mm -hmm. gives us distance so um that's an interesting way of writing i remember going to a writing course once and they were saying Mm -hmm. try writing from different people's perspectives like writing as if you were advising a friend on what to do in this situation or yeah um reframe other other things you know here is like reframing your challenge uh, uh sorry your experience as a challenge you know okay. having that you no know, thinking about you know growth mindset versus fixed mindset like when you're going through something like these are all different ways of i suppose zooming out and seeing the um the chatter and the that negative whatever it is image uh-huh. words situation in your head differently. So it's like ch- changing the view. So
0: writing more expressively. You know, um Okay. So I just go hone in on this. Yeah, so it might be yeah, yeah. well first and foremost, just writing about the situation I'm hearing could help. But then mm. specifically writing about it, you said from a narrator's point of view. So rather mm. than mm. as myself, I'm describing a situation sort of objectively as like yeah. as I'm witnessing you know, as I'm me as just a character in this story that I'm then I can Mm. just write about. And that helps generate this perspective you're talking about. That does sound helpful. Yeah. Mm. And,
1: and sort of a way of like normalizing your experience as well. So I can kind of get a bit of perspective and ways of doing that is, you know, have, have thinking about have other people been through this before or Mm. would other people be thinking about this in the same way if, Mm. if they were in your shoes, um, I think there's a lot of other books we've done that tie in to this, you know, think about, yeah, the growth, the growth mindset, um, compassion focused therapy book we did, uh, the Tara Brack book on um, uh, radical acceptance, those sorts of things like, yeah, just a a way to stand back and in the process, be kind to yourself Mm. as a way of, um, Changing, changing the way you you talk to yourself, like because I guess the ultimate goal is that yes, you reduce the temperature of this chatter, uh-huh. but also that like you you develop a a kind of voice overall, in general, uh-huh. one that doesn't kind of respond in the way it does and is you know more growth orientated
0: and more compassionate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is like. Well, what I have in mind here in all this is like cognitive therapy, mindfulness, and like, so with cognitive therapy, the premise is very similar to this book, right? That the way we think and interpret situations determines how we feel about it. But the the answer there is like, what if we check our thoughts for how rational or helpful or distorted they might be and reshape them? that and reframe situations that can help us see things a little clearer mm. whereas a mindful perspective is more about the well it doesn't really matter what your thoughts are because they're just bloody thoughts <laughs> so like mm-hmm. don't yeah. take them so seriously I, if you're able just to notice them as objects for what they are they don't have it doesn't really matter um what they're saying because yeah, you don't have to buy into them as as uh True or commands or like influential if you're able just to see them as you know mm. you would hear a radio in the corner of your room or something, mm. so there are like these different strategies, and it sounds like he's taking like a few on board, so he's not necessarily challenging thoughts, but it's more like perspective shifting, so yes, yeah, if I can first notice that I'm having in a chatter, that would be <laughs> a helpful start, and I'm, I'm sure like. The first skill is to note that notice that it's happening in the moment, right? Mm. But then he's saying not so much challenging them, but finding different perspectives on them and different time frames of them. So mm. if I can see it from someone else's perspective and maybe use writing to help get that down, if I can think how much this thing matters in a in a bigger time scale, a month, week,
1: mm-hmm. year, whatever.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, You're saying about yeah. compassion voice. So then, there's the tone of how we then choose to speak to ourselves if we do it deliberately rather than on autopilot. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: I think that's that's a very
0: important one. Yeah, the tone.
1: Yeah, there's um, there's a interesting one kind of threaded into this where he talks about you know referring to yourself from different perspectives as well when you mm-hmm. do kind of when you do talk to yourself. So often we say I yeah you know i am feeling this or i am experiencing this or i want this and he, he's saying that that kind of is quite a um like a protective way of talking about ourselves as if we're the center of our universe and that mm-hmm. we are the one with the problem and we are like and it's it's that kind of i i i mm-hmm. that can um fuel that inner voice that kind of keeps you trapped in your I guess in his word, like in your head. If yeah, it's like, your point idea, everything yeah. everything's di- Yeah, everything's kind of from your point of view directed at you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not that's not going to facilitate wise reasoning and um isn't entirely focused on protecting yourself. So he says when when he, he refers to it as distant self-talk. So that's a key idea of this book. He's saying that, you know, um, it sidesteps like quite a lot of like effort and goes straight to the brain level and like subdues your inner voice with your inner voice. (laughs) So you say, you know, referring to yourself, like, um, you know, so referring to myself as like, um, you know, will like what, what's best for will, or what would will do, or what Mm -hmm. would, this is happening to, you know, um, so using the first, second and third person to refer to yourself and it's more encouraging and not, not catastrophizing. Um, Whereas I guess if it's all I, 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 we're kind of going into that, the threat system, whereas if we can distance ourselves through, through our language, we're able to kind of step out of that threat system.
0: Yeah. So speaking to ourselves as we would, well, if I'm using third person, it's like I'm talking to you about someone else, you know? Yeah. Arthur went to the shops. So I'm not in second person, I'd be talking at, to you about you but in third person i'd be talking to someone else about someone else i'm glad you're doing this because i couldn't follow this (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (sighs) well i first person is i right so like that's what you just described The really i'm self-involved i'm in my own perspective and Mm. if that's involved with this chatter yeah that that how we can get lost in the rumination and stuff Mm. Mm. if i'm using my own name i'm then in third person and we use third person to speak to someone else about a third person (laughs) Um, and so i can really see how that can distance it because it's like i'm i'm talking to me about me but i've already i'm like two steps removed from my eye i'm like well yes luke did this and then he went here and then this happened and then So and so Mm. said this to him, and he responded like this. I I could imagine Mm. how like translating your language that way can give you that distance. Yeah. Mm. So yeah,
1: that's one of zooming out. Um, One of one of the solutions he proposed: zooming out. Yeah.
0: So it's less. So there was one based on time, right? Thinking about this, whatever situation you're in, in the grand scheme of Mm. your day, week, or life. That's one way of zooming out. And then the other way is like taking the third person perspective on your situation. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> there's a uh interesting part that I, I found I think it would be interesting for us to talk about. Is um yeah. it's called the the power and peril of other people. So he's saying that when we are, I guess, worried about something or overthinking or um engulfed in chatter and negative emotions. Um, quite often people feel compelled to share this with other people. Yep. Um, and he's saying that it, that doesn't necessarily help us recover from what we're experiencing or worrying about in a meaningful way. And it could exacerbate our feelings of helplessness. And it's, um, he does talk a bit earlier in the book about like how people actually don't like being around that there's like a social <laughs> there's pe- people have a um emotional limit to hearing people's negativity
0: yeah um, are we talking about as, complaining basically um or, well he, he's saying <laughs> yeah. sharing
1: emotions so okay if, if you want to call that complaining <laughs> 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 no but he's saying he's saying um like now you can get in like a, a co-rumination trap as well so off, as, as humans, we we're kind of drawn to a saying like a tend and befriend response. So the more people I share my problem with, the more, um, the more I feel I'll belong. So people often okay. go and tell a lot yeah. of people about what's going on in their mind, and they're not actually getting their own, not be able to zoom out in the ways we've just okay. spoken about because they're getting really sucked into um, trying to satisfy their emotional needs through. Um, complaining or from oversharing their emotions, like they're wanting to receive yeah. empathy and not solutions. So what? Okay.
0: Well, that, that, I'll I won't just, jump to I, the next, but yeah. Our, yeah. Uh, well, the re- reason I say complaining is because when I initially heard what you said, I was like, well, I, I don't always find. This, I don't know. Maybe it's I'm trained as a therapist, but I don't think it's this. But when I don't find necessarily people sharing how they feel with me unpleasant or bad like sometimes no. <laughs> really bonding yeah. right and like can mean a lot but I think I'm can tune into sort of what yeah. you mean when people are almost aimlessly talking about negative things even in a circular way or where they're not really looking for things to be better but they're just sort of aimlessly venting and I suppose that's what I meant yeah. by complaining and that I can yeah, see yeah, how yeah. on the receiving end of that <laughs> yeah. that can be sort of draining and um, like, not alienating, but it like almost too much of it wipes you out of the equation, right? Because you don't have a real input about that. About that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and he's saying that the, the, the I guess it's, it's more just kind of like
1: an awareness to think, have you tried distancing yourself or have you tried mm-hmm. other ways of kind of explaining this to yourself or trying to get a, Press perspective because he's saying when we recall the story, we re-enter into the emotions, we suck people into co-rumination um, and on an individual level, the more we talk, the more upset we can become and it's fresh logs on the fire of the inner voice. And he's saying by sharing, it helps us feel connected, but it doesn't creatively reframe how to okay. address what we're going through. So it fuels the threat response <clears throat> and you go from one negative thought to the next instead of Finding ways to kind of like wisely address what's going on. And he's saying that a, well, my understanding of what he's saying is that a wise response um, to seek from other people is one which addresses kind of your emotional needs to feel understood, yeah. but also provides with some kind of logical, <clears throat> big, pi- big picture advice that can help you move forward.
0: Okay. Um, so let me, yeah, let me catch up with that so in terms of the chatter we're talking about now when we externalize that internal chatter to someone else Yeah. yeah and that can be uh it can feel sort of relieving in the sense of well i'm someone else is hearing me it can breed a sense of belonging but it can have the negative effect of like simply rehashing a negative situation in a way that's not processing it any further it's just staying mm. in it and mm. dragging the other person into it and having them yeah, mm. feel unpleasant as well yeah. <clears throat> and you get something instantaneously almost like mm. i'm thinking of a you know it's like eating sugar it's like yes i I get a payoff in instantly but there's no i'm not getting a yeah. further benefit i've just stayed stuck where i am something like that
1: yeah you're <clears throat> so we, saying we need to um so He's saying when talking to other people, and this is, I guess, advice for the friend providing the,
0: yeah,
1: um, providing the the ways to distance. He's saying that we need to address people's emotional and cognitive needs. So people mm-hmm. need to know that they're not in danger first, that they're safe to share, um, and they're able to immerse in that for a second, but then they're, then they're able to distance. Yeah, um, okay. he uses an example that probably flew over my head but you watch star trek is that yeah. you did do, yeah, yeah yeah so he says we need to have equal amounts of kirk and spock yeah so we need to offer the comfort of kirk and the intellect of spock yeah yeah and i'm watching you smile because that makes sense to you but it didn't make sense what? to me but i thought i'd write it down because i know you listen you watch it so
0: yeah well kirk is uh human and emotional and sort of uh warm in his own way whereas Uh, Mr. Spock is is half Vulcan, which means he represses all emotion and is extremely logical. So uh, I suppose he's saying that, yeah, we can get our sort of human emotional needs met first. And then Mm. you're saying that for that then to have more benefit than just comfort in the moment, we then need the the logic and the problem solving and the like what are we actually gonna do about this next yeah, yeah, right, so
1: yeah, that's that chapter,
0: and presumably to yeah. back to to yeah. reverse that, I don't know if he says this, but but this has come up you know this comes up in loads of self help books that usually people jump to the problem solving first, right when someone comes mm. with a with a problem, actually they just want empathy, and someone's just, just like. Or do this, or or that was a mistake, and like they, they're jumping in with the cognitive before the emotional. Too soon,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: That can also be a a problem, right? Because you don't connect with the person.
1: And he's um, so in the last um, kind of like part of the book, he he basically just lists the tools. So there's tools for tools that involve other people. So. He's saying, so find ways to address emotional cognitive needs, as we said. And he said, other ways he says is providing invisible support. So doing things in the background for people that will make their life easier. Um, just to sort of invisible support. uh, Yeah. Providing invisible support. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess supporting people in ways that sort of make their environment less stressful. Um, as a way of supporting their chatter. Um, and then he says tools for receiving chatter support so if you're the one mm-hmm. who um is kind of like reaching out for support with your chatter and he's saying you know build a board of advisors so he's saying like have pick your people in your life who you share with and mm-hmm. make sure they're varied so that you're not kind of getting the same sort of advice from different
0: yeah yeah you're
1: not getting the same advice but from different people um Saying, like, seek out physical contact, look at the photo of a loved one, perform a ritual with others. I'll get into ritual later. Um, and, um, yeah, so you he spoke a bit about like the use of social media to gain support, but like how people after a, I'm probably not going to explain this fully, but uh, there was a, um, a school shooting in America and everyone, um, kind of, immediately was like sharing online and they felt like a lot of support online. Yeah. But it wasn't healing in the long term because it was kind of only addressing kind of back to what we're saying. Like it was only really addressing the they're only kind of able to like emotionally get out what was on their minds, but they weren't actually able to process and move move on as quickly as they'd like. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Is my understanding. I might have brushed over that quite quickly. But um
0: Yeah, I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but I can like i don't really use social media but i can i've heard (laughs) and can guess how it can just inflame your already hardened position um because you get stuck in echo chambers and people just you find finding people who just agree with what you already think which Mm. might give you that sense of bonding and social support you talked about but not so Mm. much the seeing other perspectives and actually processing and assimilating a broader understanding of the situation Mm. Mm. which you might get if you got other viewpoints after you were calm and your threat system was you got your bonding Mm. it's like okay well now how do i really make sense of this by understanding it from another point of view or Mm. i don't know in this case it might be quite extreme but like understanding well what is going on with someone that they end up shooting at school? Like, yes, I might need to vent all my anger initially, but in the long run, I might do well to really understand the psychology of how this happens in our culture and that might help me, Mm. you know, heal in the long run as well.
1: Mm -hmm. There's um, a couple more parts um, I was really keen to explain to you. I guess I'm not giving you many chances to ask questions because I'm just cracking on. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, there's one part he talks about outside in. So talk about how our environment can help us with, with chatter and manage internal stresses and, um, how our environment influences psychological processes. So, um, he spoke about the idea that William James introduced around there's two types of attention so there's involuntary attention so objective attention has um an inherently intriguing quality to it so that's Mm -hmm. when we look at something involuntarily but then a voluntary attention is about our will shining a spotlight on what we want and this is a limited resource and he's saying that going out in nature is full of those things that draw our um involuntary mm. attention. So it's kind okay. of stimulating. And we're kind of like glancing at like that pretty tree or that river mm-hmm. that's going past. And it's it's stimulating, but it's not exhausting and allows us mm. to recharge. And that's like a very specific part of the chapter I've focused in on, but it gets me thinking about what it is when if I'm feeling you know stressed or um overthinking something mm-hmm. worried or whatever. Like what is it that takes me out of that headspace, and well we've got that. more, but like one thing is this, like getting into nature and yeah. seeing subtle being surrounded by like subtle beauties um as opposed to necessarily like stark distractions, you know
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so there's what you just define there as like voluntary attention sounds basically the same as what you defined earlier as executive functioning right it's that purposeful concentration on something whereas the flip side is involuntary attention where something grabs our attention um which makes sense right it's why you might prefer to read like in a library where people remain quiet rather than somewhere where you know you people can tap you on the shoulder or there's a loud conversation happening next to you or or these Mm, things mm. that grab your attention that you don't want to grab your attention yeah yeah and which can might trigger this inner chatter that ends up not Mm. being helpful um and i i I like the thought of something being rather than kind of like
1: sitting in a room with like complete space and complete quiet where you know you could (laughs) give yourself space to sort of like deepen into what you're experiencing or you know Mm -hmm. like worry more or something you're actually you're you're practically doing something that's kind of taking your mind off it but it's not like distracting yourself entirely which I I think isn't as as helpful because I guess he says early in the book that it kind of comes back to to bite you um, a bit harder. <laughs> if you, like we used to think that just distracting ourselves from negative chatter was the way through it, but actually it's yeah the out the outside in approach it just reinforces which, um,
0: avoidance. Yeah.
1: Have you got any um w- what what things have you got in your life that really kind of um you know shrink the self? What what's when you're shrink the self? In something? Yeah. So like makes you stops you from over immersing in something you're working through or I don't know, if you're having a bad day or a bad week or whatever. Like what is it? Is it hiking or like oh uh, what helps gig? Gig. like yeah what helps. I'm I'm just curious like what, what examples have you got like Yeah well what that he that just said you? there. Yeah.
0: Like there's a nature reserve half a mile up the road and like I will I'll frequently go there and just walk around it and like that'll real calm my nervous system down. Um mm. Uh, Yeah, I was interested in what you were saying there, because it was like, on the one hand, (laughs) if if you just put me in a silent white room, (laughs) that could be quite stressful, right? And I could imagine my inner chatter going on hyperdrive. (laughs) But on the other hand, like, walking through the crowded city centre would also be stressful. Mm, and mm. so in terms of that voluntary, involuntary attention thing, I can see how I'm not sure why, but it's probably some evolutionary thing, but how nature is sort of a nice middle ground where it's like, yes, I'm being stimulated, but it's it's still calming and soothing. I'm not being like yeah. hustled by people and yeah. or like random uh like emergency vehicles aren't like passing me by or like buses aren't smogging around. It. Like there's yeah. it's like stimulating but in a pleasant way and i could see how there could be a sort of optimum there for um calming the nervous system and then therefore that's a nice like platform to help Mm. you i don't know introduce more of these tools about how you might distance yourself from your chatter or Mm. something Um, Mm. which i can definitely relate to like going hiking going walking in the woods it's like yeah i love it
1: yeah mine would be going to like gigs like music gigs just like being in that room like listening to the band play and i guess like music can hit you in different frequencies right than everyday Mm. life you know like things things that you don't get to do on a regular basis that just like take you out of your immediate environment and
0: Uh, okay i suppose that's one way it could really like Mm. but it's not where you would go to process is it but like you're saying experience would would overall help you kind of
1: yeah 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 we kind of leave those experiences with a a new sense of perspective, maybe.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, as in going out in nature, or like you know, seeing something, going seeing a massive mountain, or standing right. in the rain, or something. You know, like it's something that just yeah makes it feel less about you.
0: Okay, I think woman. I misunderstood. I thought you meant yeah. Like, I think it's two sides I to optimize it, my though? environment. To do processing like to to mm. engage in this distancing or this compassionate inner chat, or to think about another perspective or to problem solve, but then there's also like what can you just do to take a step back generally and have an experience which uh yeah, just doesn't doesn't make your mm. inner chat seem as a big of a problem maybe after yeah like when you leave where it's like a big human group Mm. bonding experience where you're Mm. naturally focused and in flow perhaps Mm. if you enjoy the music (laughs) um yeah which i can imagine like
1: yeah yeah and then like leaving leaving that with a new sense of yeah there is a difference between the two but like leaving leaving that with a a sense of perspective sometimes it is kind of like removing yourself from the environment And then re-entering back into it with fresh way of looking at things. Like sometimes
0: like you go on holiday and just by leaving your the house and the town you've been in day to day, week and week for months, it's just like, wow, like yeah, people are just living differently here for a bit. And it's like it suddenly gives you that literal distance from anything that you're associating with your day-to-day home life.
1: You might realize that you're your your job isn't what you want to return back to or something like right, that right right so, yeah, or yeah. even like just that, traveling yeah, yeah. more
0: broadly where you do see different cultures that, that's like mm. yeah just opens your eyes to seeing life in a whole different way that you don't usually mm. consider mm.
1: so a few other um i, I guess sort of r- r- wrapping up on some of the the um strategies he talks about so he's saying that creating order in our physical environment provides the order we seek internally. So I absolutely loved this one. So he's basically saying like as a way of compensating, um, kind of negative thoughts or
0: uh-huh.
1: ruminations or worries that we can, yeah, you know, tidy up our space and, yeah, create order and create structures. And this this goes further to so say like having rituals, um, yeah. you know, things that have sequence that are infused with meaning, connects us to forces larger than ourselves, connects us to values, redirects our attention, broadens our perspective, prevents being preoccupied with other plans. Um to list a few. I I, I like the thought of something I do if I'm just a bit caught up or if if ever I've just sort of been I guess like worried about something or just having a, a difficult week, like that's when I put more structure in because it's okay. like that order keeps things contained. It's something that's reliable, predictable.
0: So routines, knows, habits,
1: yeah, routines, habits, yeah, all these okay. things like you know you know to be good for you. It kind of it says it gives you know gives us a, a a stronger perception of control, and this is like the belief mm. we possess the ability to impact the world in ways that we desire so
0: mm, yeah it's that. that self-efficacy like if i can <clears throat> have ways in which what i do affects the world in a way i can predict and control yeah it's like we have we have influence yeah, and yeah. you're saying
1: when we don't when we don't have that sense of perceived control that's when chatter can really get fired up yeah because yeah. we're sort of we're feeling out of control and that what the what-ifs and what can i do about i can't do anything about this like those sorts of
0: yeah 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 ways
1: of thinking like kind of well, proving to yourself
0: is at the yeah. core of depression so if we have if mm. for too long things just happen to us that feel completely out of our influence like learned helplessness and depression is sort of the natural consequence of that sequence mm. Mm. so yeah i can see why in instilling just the constant things in your life that are in your control that you feel efficacious about doing can just sort of keep that <laughs> at bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some of the,
1: the, the key ones. He, he talks about um, just one part of the book. He talks about um, the placebo effect, Okay, how kind of expecting to feel a certain way can produce a positive outcome. So saying like how expectations govern how we function allows us to guess what's going on and silences our doubts. So he's saying, and this is a bit that I maybe found God slightly tricky to get my head around, but like he's basically saying, like, try and introduce some placebo effects into your your life. But mm. like how we do how we do that ourselves
0: is <laughs> It's hard to do that when true, you know, yeah. you're doing it for a placebo. <laughs> like I'm gonna take the sugar and yeah. feel better. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's saying, you know, um there's so many areas in life that we've based automatic beliefs on that like if a doctor tells us to do something, then yeah, we trust it and it'll make us feel better. So I guess he's saying like trust in trust in solutions and trust in rituals and mm. um
0: yeah. So you said you've already said I found this a bit hard to get my head around, and I am too. So I don't want to put you on the spot by asking, but how does he suggest we use the placebo effect on ourselves? <laughs>
1: he's saying my understanding was that we we have automatic beliefs Uh we have about things based on very little information sometimes that for example um around around the doctor like we we don't have much information about we we can't just inherently
0: trust that the doctor will give us the Mm. And right that they information prescribe us yeah. something we believe it will help um yeah and it could obviously this goes well back doesn't it placebo effect but mm. they could be sugar pills but we could still get a lot better because of how much faith we have in the idea that it's going to mm. help us
1: yeah so having faith in those sorts of ideas essentially yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah i suppose i I would struggle to know how to do that to myself without knowing that i'm tricking myself i can see how it would work with like people i already have faith in uh, like doctors or mm. something but um mm, mm. yeah i'm not quite sure how i could apply that to myself mm.
1: but yeah that's that's the book that's what i've got cool you got any more questions or any reflections or how was that for you
0: Mm. Right, let me soak it in. I'll soak it in by summarising what I've understood. <laughs> so he's a cognitive psychologist, so he's looking at cognition and how an aspect of that cognition is in a talk, essentially. Perhaps that broadens to like images as well, but largely we're talking about how we talk to ourselves and our mind, which can be really helpful because it helps us plan for the future, learn from the past. But the aspect of that, which he's calling chatter, is how it can be unhelpful. Uh, it can be unhelpful because it can distract us from focused attention. Um, it can like, elongate and il- prolong distress further than it might need to be by just replaying negative situations in our mind. And so the rest of the book is like, well, how do we sort of preserve the helpful inner dialogue and how can we manage the bits that's negative. So that's Mm -hmm. the premise. And then we can do that by different ways of distancing. So kind of here's where it sounds a lot, just like stoicism and CBT. So it's like taking different perspectives over time, uh, using writing looking at your situation as if you were a third person somewhat someone else for example so you can broaden your perspective that can be hard to do on your own so when you do it with someone else they can help you by yes empathizing with you but not just letting you ruminate (laughs) but once Mm -hmm. you've kind of got that bond you felt understood then introduce what these things that the new different perspectives, the problem solving after you have felt maybe understood. And um, I think you mentioned touch, like, yeah, <laughs> calm mm-hmm. down. <laughs> like your threat yeah. system yeah. is like soothed. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I've got. I think what I've heard so far, that's newest to me and that I'm probably going to take from this is using the third person, particularly if I was writing let's so I'm journaling mm. about something that's difficult. I what I've out of everything I've heard so far that feels kind of like new and something I might try is like, well I might try writing this, but not saying I, but actually narrating it like I'm talking about someone else and seeing mm. how that goes. So that's what I've taken yeah, same. that sort of excites me. Um yeah I think I'll try that too. Yeah. What in that kind of summary do you think might be key that i've missed or something that personally for you is like oh, i really like this bit too and that was sort of missed
1: i, I think a key a key part of it for me is i guess just the reflection that like how much energy this takes from your level of focus and mm-hmm. he does go into talking about you know the impacts of stress which made me think of the robert sapolsky book we did on yeah um why zebras uh don't get ulcers yeah um, yeah, but like maybe think about like. That this is something to whether I'm working with people at work or whether for myself, if I get caught in these, these traps, is that it's actually something you need to do something about. Like you can't, well, you can. Right. But it's not, it's not <laughs> helpful. It's yeah. not helpful to um, fuel this. And I guess once you have that perspective that you're like, ah, oh, this is actually bad for me. like Mm -hmm. in terms of like my energy level and focus that sort of thing um it it creates a new level of maybe urgency is the wrong word but a new level of importance to actually like try these strategies and address Mm. them by myself before trying to get an external opinion okay and tied tied into that is more like compassionate um yeah. processes involved in that as well yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah i suppose that it's uh in terms of maybe a cultural assumption that it's challenging maybe it's this idea that introspection is sort of inherently a positive thing um mm-hmm. And he's kind of saying, well, it depends on how you do it. Like it can certainly yes. be negative. <laughs> um, Def- just definitely. And so, yeah, I can see that it's a challenge to maybe someone who thinks, well, if I just journal or speak to a friend about this, that's me seeking support and that's helpful. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, oh, it kind of needs to be a bit more nuanced than that. Because if you're just going over the situation and how you feel, you're a, you you could potentially just be sinking yourself further into it and ruminating in a way that's not helpful for you.
1: And yeah, going within isn't so like yeah, there's more to it than just that. It's not just like yeah. going in and just sort of like just jumping in with the <laughs> the uh, the worries. It's more about like, well, how can I d- distance from them and proactively do something yeah. on a uh, a yeah. cognitive. Level and uh, and an emotional level as well. I guess the more emotional level is where the compassion comes in, and the more cognitive level is where some of these strategies around like distancing and, mm. um, yeah, referring to yourself in the third person, those strategies come in. Yeah. So um, yeah, 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 yeah. A, b- a balance between the two that you need. You need both. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Great. There we go. All right. happy happy with that. Thanks. yeah. yeah. I feel like I've, (laughs) well, I wonder if you agree, but I feel like I've pretty much grasped the key concepts and got a few takeaways I could uh, employ if I wanted to try this out.
1: Nice on, mate. Great to see you again and great to chat about some some new and important ideas.
0: Yeah, thanks for all your efforts. It's helpful.
1: Cheers, mate. See you
0: later. Bye.
1: Bye.